Welcome to your typical Shono protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells. And welcome to Mecha March. We are starting with one of the OG mech animes. It's Mobile Suit Gundam. First yes. off, Kai, how you doing? I am here on this podcast with my homie. So that answers your question. True facts never stated, man. That's exactly <laughs> the, the, the vibe. Yes. Um, we have watched Mobile Suit Gundam and we are here to talk about it. Um, man, this is this is an OG. Um, of course, this coming out, you know, around 1979. We got a classic art style, classic uh, anime production uh, process going on here. Um, and of course, uh, we had watched the movie recut of the entire OG series. Yes, we uh, did. Which it, it came out, what, 1980? 1981. Okay, about about two yeah. years after the the TV release came out. Um, and let me tell you, that in my opinion, that's a way to go re-experience an old show. Uh, and one of the old shows that it made for broadcast televisions. Uh, to experience the story of a show in movie format like this was incredible. It took all of the 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 tr- trudgery and effort out of experiencing this story. How did you feel about that? Um, yeah, no, it was very interesting. It was, um, it was a lot more finite, I guess. It felt like it flowed better in a way because there wasn't just like that, you know, I don't want to say waste of time, but I like that. How do I describe it? Like, you know, back in the 80s when there was like that, just the cut would be on a shot for like three seconds with nothing happening, like three or four seconds with just nothing happening. I mean, yeah. with with this being one of the oldest things I have watched, um, I can't really say I know a lot of it. Um, yeah, I would have to go back and watch the watch some of the actual OG TV releases, yeah, uh, TV episodes. But even then, with with a lot of the scenes, it didn't feel like they were padding runtime. At least in the recut, you know. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. The recut didn't feel like it was. It felt like it saved on some of that, opposed to. Like, I would say the original may have had a little bit of that going on, but it just felt like a very concise story. It was nice to have it all. Like, what was really enjoyable was hitting play and then just relaxing for three hours. Like, not, you know, having to constantly, okay, next video, or okay, next video. Um, I just like that constant stream through. Yeah, not having a break with your intros and outros, which are, you know, always great. Uh, yeah. But depending on runtime, uh, you know, they stop adding to the experience at a certain point. Um, no, I, I agree. Just, just to be able to experience an arc of information and, and storytelling, uh, fairly nonstop, uh, was a, a great way, especially to go back. And one of the interesting parts for me is this recut happened, you know, in the time period of the release. It wasn't like, we're going to go remaster and reproduce as an animated movie feature 15 years later. No, this stuff was happening like two years after it came out, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. That was very interesting how fast it got that done too, especially for like, you know, back then. And it just had that like kind of cool art style, like that 80s pop feel, like 70s pop feel. Um, just the kind of like simplistic yet like artistic layouts and drawing, especially like the landscape and backdrops. It was like a whole vibe and like the, 
voice acting was on that like different had a different feel to it it's definitely i think this is the oldest anime that i've watched don't quote me i need to check on my lupons but i believe that this is and it's just something about that style that just feels like so like wait when did akira come out because akira might have been the oldest Uh, thing both of us have watched this is probably older but i will google this quickly akira um akira film 1988 so it's the end of the 80s so this is easily well before that yeah so Um, this is the oldest thing by far but definitely like there there's a bunch of stuff you 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 look at this and you immediately know this art style and you know a lot of it's stemming from the the kind of soft intricate um matte painting background along with the the specific character design and lack of intense shading um and coloration of of specific features like uh, clothes will be one to two tones instead of you know a bot broad spectrum yeah and a lot of that's coming from um you know time constraints uh but that's also just kind of the way it was done back then um, which is incredibly unique and interesting to the time period of uh, 70s and 80s animation. Agreed, agreed. So talking about the show, right? Talking about Mobile Suit Gundam. Mm-hmm. It's one of the OGs. It is it damn is. near the OG of giant robots in terms of its impact on the rest of the genre. So this is quote-unquote a real robot subgenre of mech meaning you know it's not a, a, a super robot and you know the super robot saves the day and everyone's all happy uh no it's it's a here's a giant robot that is a tool of war and you know the robot is a toy selling point but you know the robot is insignificant it's the people that use the robot uh that are impactful and important to the storytelling yes um and that kind of vibe transcends from here on forward. You know, it's it's all war and tragedy and giant robots as, as tools. Yeah, which is interesting because, like you said, a lot of the mechas, like, you know, a mecha that I'm, like, praising and that seems like most of the, um, you know, world is praising too because it's getting such acclaim. 86 kind of brings that feel that, you know, Gundam had. Like, just watching them both so close to each other. I see that parallel of how, like, the mechs... Like, I mean... Because 86 is a mech anime, correct? Like, you would consider it a mech anime? I mean, it's got robots. Yeah. So, why not? It's got robots, and it's got this kind of, like, war is real and a problem vibe. Yeah, it's not like... It's not like humanoid robots, but it's still, like, you know, robots. So, I would say... It has that um, feel to it of, you know, like that Gundam had of like these robots are a tool or a weapon opposed to something like Big O or I don't want to say Evangelion because Evangelion is so damn complex. Big O. (laughs) I mean, Big O, like, I mean, it felt like Big O was like low key kind of sentient, maybe a little bit. But but no, I kind of feel you like. Like, part of the reason you come to Big O is not the commentary of the human experience using giant robots as tools to kill each other. It's the commentary of 
here is basically Japanese Batman and he's using all his money to use a super robot to like beat up other super robots and more of a kaiju fight than a, than you know a we're gonna destroy all, all of humanity fight uh, I, I, I could see it I could see it yeah yeah so there's that man I feel like there's so many more mecha anime out there but anyway so like just this felt like it was a tool um it kind of I feel like more like alt Noah zero kind of fits that Built like I didn't feel like any attach like I'm not saying I don't feel any attachment to um RX dash seventy eight dash two Gundam. Yeah, don't yeah. worry. I had to like it's not like too. shining burning finger, you know, or you know yet. It's not like that yet. Yes. It's not like that yet. But these I see what you mean and I understand like this does a good job of encapsulating the war, like especially between our, you know, two characters, Amos and um char you know it's like it shows that because also char goes to like what four or five mechs in these three movies yeah and and that's because he's got the support of it but definitely you know other shows that uh you know, shows in the future that really are are impacted by this are or take themes from a show like uh gundam the mobile suit gundam you know you've got your uh evangelions which we'll get into um, you've got your Code Geass, which we'll talk about later in the month, um, which is a political drama that's using giant robots as just tools to fight the war. Um, you know, uh, even in so far as um, Gurren Lagann, you know, yeah. giant robots as tools to fight racism, you know, stuff like this. Um, yeah, that is the moral <laughs> of Gurren Lagann, right? Uh, yeah, basically, I. <laughs> I don't know. That moral was kind of like, you know, fuck you. We're all going to disappear anyway. And everybody I care about is going to be, leave me. So nice. Uh, but <laughs> even so far as, as, uh, as, uh, Eureka seven, you know, tools to fight the powers that be that want to fuck up the groovy pirate robots, you know, stuff like that. Um, but definitely let's kind of get in, get into what the war and how the war impacts the people throughout Mobile Suit Gundam. So we open with, it's the year 0072. I think that's the correct number. Um, 50 years after, or 0079. Gotta correct this shit. In the Universal Century. Because that's also important, because Gundam is enormous. Yeah. Um, 50 years after humans have left, Earth to also colonize the space around Earth in these various, you know, space colonies that are ro- orbiting. And the Principality of Zion from uh, from side one is like, you know what? We want to be free of the reins of the Earth, uh, not the Earth Defense Force. Uh, the Fed- Earth the, Federation? The Earth Federation, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we want to be free, so we're going to go to war. And then, you know, all right, now the Principality of Zion is at war with the Earth Federation, and we open with our story of them attacking Side 7. Yeah. And we, we meet our titular uh, Amuro Ray, who's this, you know, computer geek absorbed in his work as an evacuation is going on because the, uh, the man, so many important wonderful names the yeah. uh the Char principality of the, zion yeah, yes is they're, attacking and 
then his dad is like Amuro's dad is like a chief engineer, I believe, uh, for these robots. And for some reason, nobody else, well, for plot, we know why, but no one else can get to <laughs> the robot. So Amuro's like, fuck it, I have no experience. And I don't even want to be in this damn robot. So let me do the logical thing and get in the robot. Um, so he gets in the robot and he like gives everybody a run for his money, not knowing what he's doing at all. And yeah, like the um principality of Xeon, Xenon, Xeon, Zion, I don't know, um, gets pushed back and it's like, okay, we saved White Base, I think it was. Yeah, White Base and the Gundam. Yeah, this is nine hours of content, so we are doing our best. <laughs> like <laughs> This is like us watching Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 and then immediately doing a two hour podcast about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, totally. And one of the interesting parts on early on is it's like, all right, Char sending in his men to do reconnaissance. And then one, one sad fucker just decides I'm going to go make my bones and blow their shit up. And then it's like, well, you just ruined the entire mission. Um, but that gets us introduced to uh, Char. Yeah. Um, but yes. So one of the one of the whole points about the mech genre, especially in these sad boy mech shows, is the literal child, which in this case, very specifically, he's a teenager, um, gets in the robot to save the day. How do you feel about this kind of trope? The kid gets in the robot to save the day. I mean, this trope is not like it's not bad. It is definitely. I can't say it is even overused in this instance because this is like the first instance that I know of of it being used. Because um, like I said, this is the oldest anime I believe either of us have watched. But we've seen it with characters like Shinji, probably most infamously, like the whole line of getting the fucking robot. Um, or damn robot, I think it is. And then we later see that with, um, you know, God, what is his name from Gurren Lagann, the drill boy? Oh, um, man. You had to ask me that one. I, I was forgot. getting ready for I, Eureka I call, 7. Yeah, I want to call him your, like, Raymundo. I know that's not right, but, like... <laughs> but yeah, Raymundo from Gurren Logan. I love I, it. I know Kami. Is it Kamina? Or is he the no, one... Kamina is, Kamina the, is the, the one that is, the dope like, the one. older brother. Yeah, yeah, the dope one, yeah. Hold um, on. Simon. Does Simon sound right? Simone. Simone? Oh, Simone. There Simone. we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simone. <laughs> I'm just like, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, because Simone. it's fucking Japanese. Yeah. That's right. Shimon. I got yeah, you. Shimon. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. My bad. No, you got <laughs> And um then like you said, home dude from Eureka Seven and many more. Like I like the fact of you know the getting the robot and figure it out type. Uh it's it's not bad. It depends on how you do it, though, because it seems like they all have the same personality, sadly, um, <laughs> and they all yes. are seem to be carbon co- carbon companies of Amuro. Um, probably none more so. I mean, at least about well, Simone, he got his shit together yeah. faster than all the others. Let's talk about it. So, um, you know, I I I think it is a very straightforward way. Because uh, it's basically a very much a shonen genre, giant robots, the perils of war. Let's angle this at a a young-ish male audience. You know, of course, the, we get into adult themes and violence. So this is more of a, a teenage audience at at earliest, disclaimer, 
but certainly, you know, uh, seeing a, a male character that's in the same kind of age range as you dealing with all of this struggle uh, makes these characters very relatable, um, which I think is a, a perfectly reasonable decision to make. Now, we were talking about something, and I've immediately forgotten it, but you're going to help me out as we go on and continue that thread. Um, like with Shinji being a sad boy and, yeah. and all of them being incredibly sad because everything's terrible. Yeah, now we were saying how like Simone or Simone kind of overcame that faster, I feel like. I mean, he did have the best catalyst, which, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that was a good catalyst, but he had the least amount of options. Like Shinji, you know, there were other people to pilot the Avas, even though... You know, they were in Was horrible there? condition. I mean, kind of like because you had you had unit two and you had unit zero. Granted, unit two was failing and unit zero was dying and Shinji was a bitch about it. But eventually he got in the robot, but he had more options and he chose to go be like a prick for like three episodes. And um, all right. All right. Clearly, we are in different positions about this. How do you um, feel about that? Well, okay, so in my mind, I equate it very much like this. Well, well, the same scenario, okay? You are thrust into a position where there is no good option, right? Yeah. So with Mobile Suit Gundam and Amuro, he is currently about to be murdered, right? There are yeah. giant robots in your house, in your area they are blowing up the the bomb shelter they've just murdered everyone you ever care about you know all of this stuff like it, the danger is very real and present and immediate the choice for him to get in the giant robot was one of kind of curiosity and necessity he didn't really have any other options to get into the place of safety and because he had the ability to do something with the giant robot, he did, right? That's kind of the setup for the whole the whole genre is, okay, here's an opportunity to use a giant robot to save your life and prevent, you know, further harm. Yeah. To which we'll have a conversation later on about the fact that you using the giant robot will go on to cause further harm. Uh, but that's a, that's a point of the Don. That's a conversation point. Yeah. Um, but for like Shinji and Evangelion, He's in the same predicament. There's no good option. There's no right choice. There's just the choice of do I take, do I make the decision to take action or do I simply wait and let someone else potentially deal with it? Yeah. And that's the conversation. Do you take action or do you not? And how you feel about that concept really gives, really is how you, you feel about Shinji as as a character, right? If yeah. you kind of understand that, you know, here's this literal child, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, being put in the predicament to make the choice to consciously save the universe in some like in some way that is internally scary. In the case of Mobile Suit Gundam, it's literal war and having to kill people. In in Evangelion, it's fighting this unknowable malevolence that you cannot name or otherwise comprehend outside of the violence you have to inflict on it. Yeah. I think it's true to the genre. I agree. Yes, Shinji's a little bitch, 
but he also has a reason to be. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you explain like that and knowing what you know, yes, Shinji very well is validified, I feel like. Um, Amuro is kind of validified. How do you feel about Amuro in that opinion? Do you feel like he is very, like validified in his like I- not wanting to pilot the robot and then deserting the army to go find his mom just to realize, fuck you, mom. You're literally what I was like 30 minutes ago. I'm leaving. Man. All right. So I think that Amuro's journey and struggle with being the pilot of the Gundam, right? And it's not just being the pilot of the Gundam, right? It's making the Gundam this tool of war inflict harm on others, especially the, you know, the, the, the real challenge in this is always the concept of anonymity of the enemy versus them being you being able to see that they are a person, right? That is always the tr- the challenge and struggle and like conversation point about any of these mech shows. Yeah, is if I can see the person inside the robot, can I still pull the trigger? I think that would you know, especially with it being one of the first times this is really this is really portrayed. In anime, I think it is incredibly well done. Um, I'll be very honest with you: the the recut from the show to the movie uh, didn't really leave a lot of time for explanation and transition between the different points of that that struggle and journey. It was just now now Amuro's being a little bitch and he yeah. can't sleep, and now Amuro's hallucinating, and now Amuro's absolutely perfectly fine, and now Amuro thinks he's fucking God, and, you know, the captain's gonna give him shit for it, and now Amuro's leaving, and now Amuro's finding his mom, and then now Amuro's back to being a military man at the age of 16. Um, I think the journey is perfectly fine. I think the storytelling is perfectly fine. The pacing leave something to be desired especially in like knowing where in the journey and like when things have closed off and when things have opened back up uh are how do you feel about it um i'd say i feel i feel about how you feel um i think you said everything i had to say um <laughs> amuro is when you explain it like this, you know, Amuro is, that's where those parallels from Shinji come from, because I feel like Shinji is heavily based off, I feel like Evangelion in general is heavily based off this movie. Um, not, okay, maybe not based off, but definitely expired, especially like with the new types and then the, you know, first children and all that. Yeah. Like just, it feels eerily similar and me having... The community is coming at me. And me having seen first Mobile Suit Gundam for this first time, like I've seen the other ones. I've seen Gundam Fighter. I've seen uh, Iron Blood Orphans and all those. But this is my first time watching the OG Gundam. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy how like Amuro kind of just encapsulates all the complexity of, you know, that character. And. A little bit of spoilers. I mean, obvious spoilers. But when we go, does interactions with Char and Homegirl ends up dying in the crossfires, and like how neither of them want to accept blame. You know, that was very, like, I don't know. It's like Amuro is slightly a bitch sometimes, but he's slightly like understandable as well. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, 
viewing this from the lens that has seen the mech genre and what it currently is and what it's been in the recent history to go back and see like kind of where the roots of a lot of this come from, which not all of it, there, there's plenty more history to the mech genre before this, but to see one of the cornerstones about like the, the genre itself and to see how little we've stepped away from these themes and concepts. It's like, man, wow yeah it's it's wild to experience man um i've i've really enjoyed it and it's like in that comparison yeah go ahead oh no i was i was agreeing with you 100 i'm like and that's why it brings up an important point um of you know how nothing is original but everything is original at the same time because you see it um predominantly i'd say with like isekais like everybody's like oh every isekai is the same every like you know, character comes from another world, has to do this, and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, this Gundam Mobile Suit, or Mobile Suit Gundam 1, is literally, you know, like the birth of a genre. And it makes me wonder, like, okay, what was the first shoujo? You know, what was the first shonen? These are things that I kind of... Like, watching this made me want to go back and find these other shows. You know, is Astro Boy the first shonen? Is, I don't even know what the first shoujo could even possibly be, honestly, sadly. Yeah, man. But, and then is pulling from these for inspiration wrong? Or is that like a, you know, staying on someone's legacy for like being inspired by other shows? Like, oh, like, oh, like, does this... Does Evangelion lose credibility now that you've seen Mobile Suit Gundam and you see these tropes and things being used before Evangelion? I think that's an interesting question, and I would almost want to like explore that kind of concept. Not so much do I discredit it now that it's not, you know, the progenitor of its genre. Yeah. But more does cause because definitely I recognize that Evangelion is the tail end of mech anime like we have told every story that we could possibly be the genre at that point in time when it's be when it's coming out is kind of on the decline you know in in popularity and yeah. we haven't seen much since we've seen some we've seen the mainstay that is gundam um and we've seen a couple of others from from studios that have you know really honed their their craft and are professionals in the the genre but you know uh the bulk of the anime is no longer robots, giant robots. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, I, w what would be really interesting is comparing shows that have come after something that is such a, a cornerstone in the genre. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of like Macross, which, you know, for, for the, the American viewer listeners, um, uh, is Robotech. Yeah. Know? Uh, the first season of Robotech is just the first season of Macross. Um, and and you know comparing what what is a show that came three years after gundam to uh you know to evangelion a show that came 13 15 years after mobile suit gundam like what's the differences what's the similarities how has the theme changed uh for either one of these products because you know we're not targeting the same audience with both of them same genre but different sector of the audience I agree. Um, and I think that's incredibly, that is an interesting experience to kind of study. 
Yeah, I'm very interested in like myself into like go back and see that, you know, because I because I will say, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. I agree with that. But it feels like, again, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, talk on 86. It feels like 86, you know, it, it doesn't feel like I'm like watching a carbon copy of anything else. 86 feels very original. And I feel like that's what has that draw. You know, I feel like that's what people found in Attack on Titan. That that originality, and as us being, you know, your typical shonen protagonist, we've seen tropes be reused and reused. So when we see things like Jujutsu Kaisen, or when we see things like, you know, um, we're just gonna go with Jujutsu Kaisen right now. Um, yeah. When we see yeah. things like Jujutsu Kaisen, like that are fresh and innovative, we're like, oh, okay, this feels good, you know. But then we go back and look at like Yu Yu Hakusho, and it's like, okay, this was used in Yu Yu Hakusho, or this was used there but inspired, really not used. And I feel like that's what the older generation of anime has on, like, underneath his belt, that it wasn't really inspired by anything. This was, like, a originality craze, you know? Same thing with, like, you know, it's like they were the Daft Punk of their genre. I mean, not to be a total downer, um, but I would argue that it is entirely inspired by something else. But it's the first time that it's being demonstrated in this medium. And that's what makes it kind of the cornerstone, the unique, the first time uh, for everything to come in the medium after that, right? Yeah. Um, but definitely. Uh, and, and, you know, it's one of those things where when you're trying to relate one thing to another, you talk about kind of what it's similar to. So especially with like 86 I'm like, it's an even, it's a, it's a war theme, uh, conversation. So I wouldn't call it an Evangelion, but I'd call it, you know, I would call it like, um, the robots from Coast in the Shell meet, um, Attack on Titan with the fact that everyone dies and it's a war commentary and all of that, um, to give some kind of touchstone on how to understand its story. Um, but definitely, it is unique. It is engaging. It's not the first time it's been done, but it's the first time it's been done with these specific uh, themes and tools and representations um, at this time. I but agree. definitely. I agree. Um, so, I, so, yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's get back to very specifically Mobile Suit Gundam and immediately get out of Mobile Suit Gundam at the same time. So we have our kind of primary antagonist. Yes. Sh- Char- which we get to follow. Uchiha. Yes. Char uh, Uchiha. Oh, sorry. This is Azabel. Uh, sorry. Char An- Anazabel? Uh, he knows on. who he is. <laughs> A-Z-N-A-B-L-E. How do you spell that? Charman. Charlemagne, yes. Um, but yeah, now we have As- Asnabel. Yes, Char Asnabel, who is the antithesis or antagonist to our boy Amuro, and for a while the more likable character, even though he's like a douchebag. But so yeah, he is a he is the leader of the Federation of Z- Zion attack the force. Princip- principality yeah principality of zaya yes Um, it's a whole deal yeah he Um, is and he he's the red comet man yeah 
I mean, technically, he's not. Okay, so is he a part of it or not? That was the question that I had. Okay, a part of what? The Principality of Zion. Yes, so he's one of the, like, he's in the military of the Principality of Zion. Now, he is working, okay, spoiler alerts for a a 40-year-old show, he's working from 50, 60, Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know how to count anymore. Um, He's working from the inside of this army for his own goals. But yes, at the beginning of the show, the first time we see him, he is working for the Principality of Zion. Yeah. Which the big swerve is, okay, he's not exactly who he says he is. He's a bomb-ass pilot with a red-ass Zaku, but, you know, uh, he's not exactly following the same goals as you might think. He's a deeper character, and he's out for revenge on the ruling family uh, because they killed his dad and broke up his family or something like that. Well, so, they, they murdered his dad, and yeah, I mean, basically, yes, what you, everything you just said is true, yeah. So, the question you had posed, is Char just Sasuke? Yes. Tell me. I... Yes. I would say he is. I would say he is. Why? So, and, okay, so one thing I would say is that he is Sasuke because, A, his motivation, he he's a smarter Sasuke, of course. I mean, not even. He's siding with the person he hates the most, which I don't think. Okay, it's there are similarities, but no. Okay, now I'm literally having a conversation with myself, and you have a conversation with you. So, Shar, again, major spoilers. So Shar's father was killed by the current um, Federation leader, who is some old worm dude who I've already forgot the name of. You're talking about um, the Principality of Zeon leader. Yes. Um, I for the old worm dude. Anyway, so he had his father killed and took the power and had his sister, you know, separated from the family. And Char saw this opportunity to get revenge. You know, he wanted to get close to them. So he joined the Federation. He became the top pilot and everything. And his just fighting the Earth Defense Force was a by part like a bystander of his goal. He still did it, even though he didn't exactly have qualms with them, but he still murdered people to get to his goal, which is something that Sasuke did. Um granted, I guess you could argue the people that Sasuke murdered kinda deserved it. I don't know. Like that's not me to judge or whatever, but fuck Donzo. Um So they have that in common. They are he doesn't I wouldn't say he has like that Sasuke, would you say he has a Sasuke Naruto relationship? I would say it's not quite the same. Yeah. Right. So, so between Char and Amuro, it grows to be kind of, um, shit. What's the word? Similar? Not similar. Um, it grows to be not antagonistic, but it's, um, man, we're professionals. We don't have a vocabulary. Uh, but where where Sasuke and Naruto are kind of peers, they're friends. They grew up together. They have history yeah. together, and then they they diverge in the path, but they still have that common thread that is always the challenge. Parallel. Um, you know, between Char and Amuro, they're very much just adversaries, and they have respect for each other as as they grow 
as Amuro, you know, becomes more proficient as a Gundam pilot and as a soldier, um, there, there's kind of a common respect, but they're not like friends in any sense of the matter ever. So they're very much just adversaries and yeah. rivals. The word was rivals. Rivals. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. No. I agree. Um, they have that rivalry like Sasuke and Naruto, but they don't have that brotherhood like Sasuke and Naruto do. Um, Bingo. Because even though, you know, you can blame the writing or a thousand other things, why that turned out the way it was. But, you know, there was a point where Sasuke, you know, put his life in the way for Naruto. And I, I Char would never do that. He's too focused on his, you know, end goal, which is to kill the Federation and get revenge for his father. Um, he is, I would say he's more cunning than Sasuke, I feel. Um, just going on how he led, Char led the son, um, whose name I should totally remember, but he led the son um, to, like, he lied to where White Base was, and then they got oh, ambushed, yeah. and Home Dude straight up died. So and, he got Garma Zabi. Yes. So Zabi being the ruling family of the principality of Zeon. Uh he got Garma, who was supposed to be this old pal from training. You know, they went to the academy together, they were good friends, and Char was here to like help his friend gain some glory in taking down White Base, and he lied to his ass. Manipulated got him murdered from behind. Mm-hmm. Man. How you feel about that big swerve? I thought it was great. (laughs) That was when we found out Char was about that life, you know. I thought that was very interesting. Um, And, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was kind of low-key deserving as well. Was it? Well, I mean, we know the Federation is trash. So The Principality of Sorry, why do I keep calling it stupid Star Wars? Um, We know know the Principality. We know Zeon is trash. Um, Yep. And... I'm not gonna lie. What his the um, Baron was also trash too. Like we saw the way he acted and how he kind of. I mean, granted, Curse and Char at the end there. That was, you know, I'm not mad at that because I probably would too. But just mm-hmm. he was, he had that higher than mentality and like I believe it was alluded to that he knew how his dad came to power. Correct? I don't know. I don't know if anyone knew. But maybe, or or maybe everyone knew, but no one knew who Char was. Yeah. Right? Because Char survived the assassination, left his little sister, and then went on about to assume a new identity. Right? Yes. So I don't think anyone really knew who Char was once he joined the, the principality as like a soldier. Except for the fact that there was one person who knew, but you know, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, but man, I kind of like in in a storytelling sense. Um, they gave Garma a love interest, right? Some yeah. some some governor's daughter to kind of make him a real human that we should care about. And then as as Garma gets murdered. She gets like disappointed and it's like, oh man, maybe, maybe Char is the asshole. 
I kind of like that nuance. Yeah. That was, I think that was incredibly well done. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, in terms of Char and his whole character progression and him being a parallel to Sasuke, I would say it it's definitely similar. Um, he has that motive. He has that anger. You know, that, that the tourist. Not even like a tourist because he's just a full-on antagonist. That's why I would... Yep. Like make him different than Sasuke because Sasuke was an antagonist and he became a tutorial. So it was like a whole thing. Like people need to stop comparing Sasuke to Hiei. I'm just gonna say Hiei better. Um, but yeah, I think that Char was a great foil to um, Amaro. I I loved slash hated because I really liked the character. Um, the whole scene where Lahasun Lahasun. Um, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Got murked in between the fight between Amuro and Char. Because I was kind of here for like the, you know, Indian, I believe, representation that was. Um, yeah. And you know me. I, I dig a good waifu. Um, and she was a vibe. And the fact that she died kind of pissed me off. But I also like the fact that, you know, they... It wasn't like the, oh, we got to do it for her. It was like, nah, you killed her. It's like, no, you killed her. And it was a whole thing. But, like, I don't know. How did you feel about that? How, like, both of them kind of feeling like Char was with her, but, like, Amuro was like, I am printing on you on some Twilight shit. Well, no, not like that. Because, okay. <laughs> I I disagree with that very, that very statement wholeheartedly. Um... Because it plays into the new type shit. Yeah. And not like weird predatory shit. Yeah. Um, I think that she was a perfectly fine um individual for both like for the conflict between the both of them. Yeah. Um we had Amaro spend very little time with her. We had two instances, one where he ran into her outside of the random ass house. And then one on the road when it when like he found when Amaro found out that she was with Char in any capacity and he's like, oh shit, it's Char in person on this dirt road. He's gonna tow me out of this ditch and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that the having her as a point of relation between all all three characters was well done um it's it's just one of those things where maybe the 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 movie cut didn't give a lot enough time for uh relationship building or storytelling or whatever i think she was done fine but it was just like okay and now we care about this character yeah but um you know especially the fact where we got a lot of all right, I'm with you, Char. We're going to use my brain powers to fuck up the Federation. And then she did so. And then somehow Amaro blew her the fuck up. Except didn't because he can reach her telepathically from beyond the veil of existence. Because that's how new types work, apparently. Yeah. So I think that enlightening to maybe the potential of new types... Uh, was interesting, you know, because that's something we don't have a lot of information on because they're absolutely, uh, as the name implies, new. But uh, I, th- I think it was perfectly fine. It was kind of, at this point in the experience, it was like fourth quarter push. 
brand new character do i am i supposed to care but you know for for what the role was i think it worked yeah i agree i agree um but yeah so speaking of like relationships like our boy kai went through it <laughs> like kaya went from being a earth forces soldier to being like yo fuck this shit I can't do this anymore. To deserting, then coming back because he saw, okay, this is like, it's not much better out here. Like, well, no, he saw that there, he was now aware, and that's always the problem, being aware. He was now aware about something that was going to happen to the people that he intrinsically cared about, whether he wanted to admit it or not. He had found a spy. And he knew now knew that something was going to happen to Whitebase. And for all of the want to be an asshole, he just couldn't leave them to die and be ambushed. Yeah. So, yeah. So he decides to be a good guy. And, you know, realizing, okay, I got things to do. I got people to save. And then he comes back. And then he meets um, Hitoka. Or that's not how you pronounce her name at all. Um, he meets. Let me, let me pronounce her name correctly. Put that respect on it. Yes. He then meets Homegirl, which is wow. Okay, come on, stop being stupid thing. He then meets Min Minhara Rotoki. I don't know how I mispronounced that. Um, who is a spy for the Principality of Zeon? Which I'm sure I said wrong again. Um, so she's like, I'm a spy. And she feeds information and gives a location to the Principality of Zeon, where White Base is. Because White Base has been fleeing. And yep. then, like, as she's doing this, she realizes while eating dinner with Kai that, like, hey, you know, I kind of like these people. And being around them, she's like, these are good people. And she's like, yo, I'm a spy, but... I, you know, I want to help you guys. And whenever the traitor has a change of heart, it's it's always the same thing. It's one of the oldest tropes. Homegirl was like, I'm going to help, you know? And she gets a little uniform. I'm like, gang. And the set, <laughs> when she went to the base, bro, like when she went to where the loading bay was, I was just like, fuck, I know this. I know what's going to happen. So... She goes there and she gets blown the fuck up in the weapons bay because <laughs> that just had to be plot, man. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. So that story was twel- told a whole lot more clearly in the show. Um, but yes, I mean, the traitor turned and, and she was a traitor even as Kai found her in white base. Yeah. Right. She just got a uniform and like snuck into the ship and he was like, oh, shit, it's the girl that I. Yeah. And then like she, he's like, all right, listen, we got to go save the world. And then she gets in the plane and holy shit. Yes. The, the moment where it's like, all right, you can't press the button. You have to go to the wing of the plane and drop the bomb. And then she falls off the fucking airplane, man. Yeah. And then doesn't she get blown up too? Don't that she gets shot in the water? No, I think she just falls off the fucking airplane and it's game over. Oh, okay. 
because she releases the bomb to save the day. Yeah. And then she's, we just see her flying in midair. Yeah. And Kai's like, Miharu? Miharu? What's wrong? Hello? She's like, no, man. <sighs> but yes. Yeah. Very, very touching, very tragic uh, death. I blame Miharu's death for everything that happens in Attack on Titan. Me too. Um, we learned one time that it would work, and then here we are. Mm-hmm. Other relationships, like, um, let me get this pulled up. We have folks like Lieutenant, what's his bucket? I've got too many things on my screen. Uh, Lieutenant Schlager Law. Schlager yeah. Law, who comes in at the later end of the series and is apparently hot shit. Yeah. I've got an enormous problem with this. One, Mobile Suit Gundam absolutely loves to just slap the shit out of characters. They do. Like, just one character just going upside the head of the other because, whatever, it works in 1979. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big enormous issues I have with this is that one one of the first things we see is Schlager Law going upside the head of the pilot of White Base. And it's like, you are, you know, okay, so the whole thing is, uh, it's not Slaya, is it Haruto? Not Haruto. There's so many characters. There's so many man. characters. It's Mirai. Yes. Mirai Noah, the pilot of, or Mirai Yamashi. Yeah. Yashima, yes, that's the one. All right, she's the pilot of the white base, right? Yeah. Been with us since the very beginning. She, because she's coming from a prominent family, she's been promised to someone else, as in an arranged marriage on some other, uh, some other space colony, right? Yeah. That's her, her situation. We run into that dude on space colony five or some odd. It's yeah. neutral. And he's like, Oh my gosh, Mirai, I've I've loved you and I've done so much to prove my love. And she's like, Listen, man, I gotta go back into space. You can get out of my motherfucking face. And then Lieutenant What's his bucket? Lieutenant Schlager Law slaps her in the face and is like, Can you not see that he loves you? And it's like, what 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 story are you trying to tell me, <laughs> yeah, Mobile that, Suit Gundam? That, that was- how is this? How is this acceptable? That was fucking. What wild. is? What? What is this? That was fucking wild. And all right, that's all the setup. Yeah. To the big reveal, literally like next movie, that Mirai and Schlager Law fall in love. Yep. What? What? What is this character arc? What is this plot? I don't know, man. But all I know, if you fall in love. <laughs> dying (laughs) shit like honestly like it seems like every no couple is left in tandem i feel like every pairing one of the pairing dies man like (sighs) man you know what pairing doesn't die which one the worst parents I say this like there aren't worse parents yeah but the worst parents we see in terms of uh characters in this show it's amuro's parents yeah they really don't like they they live throughout the whole thing which is i don't want to say unfortunate but 
it is something that happens. Like his dad, his dad does get like dementia, I think, or I think he just, just goes, goes crazy, space goes crazy. crazy. Yeah. So yeah, Tim Ray. I mean, with a name like that, you know, you're really batting a hundred. But he, like, he was the creator of the Gundam, I believe, or he was a part of the team. Yeah. So, and yes, I know the Gundam has a name, but I'm not naming it. Um, the one that inspired, you know, you know, it's Gundam. So yeah, he, um, basically told Amuro, yeah, I'm not, it's like, you're not important, basically. Like, this is the whole thing. My whole purpose is to build this Gundam and get it to fight and care about white base. Like, this has gone white base and we're winning, blah, blah, blah. Which, I mean, I can't, you know, when you're fighting a war... I can't necessarily blame him for prioritizing, you know, the mission as he is a soldier, I believe, correct? Or a scientist, at least. Scientist in the military, yeah. Yeah, so I can't, like, be mad at him for, you know, prioritizing the mission. But I can't be mad at him for just being a dick to his son. So, and when he got, went space crazy, I was like, eh, it... (sighs) I don't really care, you know, because, yeah, you were a brilliant scientist, but we didn't really see you. We didn't see him being brilliant, you know. We just saw him kind of being a dick yeah. and being like, I built this off screen, so respect me. Yeah, it's 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 one of those situations where this is another point in the in the genre where we take a look at the fact that there is no happy ending, you know. Like, yeah. here's this dude who worked really hard on the space robot and he's living in a trash pile and he's gone absolutely, you know, unhinged from reality. Yeah. It's just like, man, can can Amaro not have a happy ending, you know? And before before we see his dad again, you know, having gone crazy, we see we meet his mom. Like Amaro goes out of his way when they make it back to Earth, goes out of his way to like look for his mom. And he finds where she's supposed to be, and he finally comes up and meets her. And he's like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, it's his, it's mom." Yeah. And, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, it's so great to see you." And then they wind up, um, in kind of an infirmary area yeah. in a bunk in a dorm, um, and some of the principality soldiers roll in or like, "We're doing our check that we do every day." Uh, we just keep it at Cooley, you know, let us know if you've seen anything. And then they hear like a, a communicator noise and they're like, who's in that bed, ma'am? And then that spurs into Amaro shooting one of the guys mm-hmm. and then running out and chasing after the other one, firing all of the pistol, you know, from the doorframe. His mom is just like, how could you shoot at another human being? It's like, how, how did you feel about his mom's reaction. I felt like, you know, I felt like her being like upset and ashamed, like, like her just shouting and doing all that was like, like you see him in the uniform, man. Like you understand. And like, it was like, what do you want him to do? Die? Like I, and that's something that Amaro said, like, would you rather me just up and die? Do you not love me? Yeah. So it was, it was really weird that, that happened like i don't i don't know it seems like you know at least when these other shows that we see about parents just rarely ever like both of the parents are shitty like at least we saw <laughs> at least in the rebuilds um slight spoilers 
uh, for Evangelion, we saw that Shinji's mom really loved him. Like, at least that's how I portrayed it. With I gotta say, at least that's how I portrayed it all the time with Evangelion, honestly. But I portrayed it, or I saw... It was portrayed to me as Shinji's mom actually cared about him. And, you know, we really didn't see the mom in Gurren Lagann, but, you know, uh, Simone had, like, an older brother figure, someone who kind of believed in him as well. But, like, Amuro was just out here by him damn self, you know? So that's what I felt like was different a lot. Both his parents were kind of trash. Like, he didn't really have, like, a best friend person to, like, go through it with. It was kind of just him and, like, the... 85,000 extra characters that all have names in Gundam. So, like, but no, yeah, his his mom, like, it was really, like, kind of lack of better phrasing, bitch energy that she was just like, oh, you were just supposed to sit there and die. You're not my son anymore. Like, okay. that Yeah, no, honestly, that's the fucked up part. Because it's like, it's war. You know? Um, not that Not that you want to have to take human life, but the question is, what is the cause? And, you know, who are you doing it for? And all, you know, there, there's so much nuance to it. Yeah. To simply go, I didn't want you to die, but you cannot prevent yourself from dying by taking someone else's life. And because you did so and you have not felt remorse, and you have not shown remorse, not felt remorse, we'll get, you know, that's kind of the whole point of it. That you have not shown remorse, you can, like, you're no longer my son. I do not claim you as mine. Yeah, I'm like, all right. What what the fuck? And I'm like, also, screw you for making us see why the dad left. Like, oh. Oh, my God. All right. So let, let's get into this. The reason that the mom wasn't around until he finds her on Earth is because she couldn't go live in space. She decided to leave her son and husband as they left for space robot journeys because she didn't want to live on a space colony. And you call Amuro an asshole. Like, man, not saying I could do such a thing. Yeah. But, like, come on. Yeah. No, I mean, like, there were no good parents Defin- in Gundam. I'll just say that. Except maybe the dad that got assassinated. Maybe he was a good dad. We don't know. Uh, He wanted to revolt for the new types. I don't know. We don't get to see him do anything wrong. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, definitely. Amuro's parents up there for worst out of anime. Um, overall, we, we've gone back and watched this and it's a really good time. And I would definitely recommend, uh, experiencing such a a classic anime, uh, especially in the form of the three movies that are currently airing on Netflix. They're both about two hours. They're they're three. All three are about two hours long. It's definitely, uh, some time investment, but it's not as big as 43 of the OG episodes, right? True. Um, how did you feel about the experience overall to round it out? I enjoyed it, man. It was a very interesting story. It was had some twists and turns and you know, it was it gave me that feel of like nostalgia, but also like it was new because I hadn't seen it before, so it was like a healthy mix of both. Uh I personally feel like I don't know, I feel like everybody should watch this, especially if you consider yourself like a fan of the mecha genre. I feel like everybody needs to go and watch the first mobile suit gundam and watch other gundams as well and many more mecha anime out there definitely um you know there weren't a whole load of giant robots but there are certainly some of the iconic giant robots to the uh to the genre um of course from this point 
from Mobile Suit Gundam, we go on to what 30, 40 years of of Gundam as a brand. Yeah. So we have many more giant robots from this point. Um with plenty more anime. Um and of course model kits and it's a whole industry. Yeah, gunpla, it is a lot. It is so much. So many Gundams. Um, but but going back and watching uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, I agree. Um uh, it, it definitely felt uh classic with the art style and the animation. Uh, but of course, the storytelling was just as modern as can be, other than some very specific nuance points, like let's just slap the shit out of everybody to get them to come to their senses. Um, you know, this is a, this is a story, especially in movie format, that's been cut uh, to be incredibly concise and compelling. Yeah. Um. So definitely, definitely worth the watch. Yes. And. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam is only the first of the four shows we'll be watching for Mecha March here on your typical Shona protagonist. Of course, you can catch us on all your podcasters. We're talking Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever podcast you prefer at your typical Shona protagonist or at your TSP. That's you are at TSP on twitter guy you got stuff too yes yes you can find me at static dreads that's um with a z at twitter and come out let's talk about it let's be about it let's have a fun time or something i feel it uh and of course you can catch the other product too at your or at your typical show protagonist at content breaker uh on twitter instagram youtube and of course your podcatchers as well for your more uh, broad animation, western, and anime content at Content Break. We'll catch y'all next week for more Mecha March here on your typical Shona protagonist. Yay, yay.